Good evening. Welcome to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Enter freely and of your own will. In this episode, you may find many strange things, for the films to be discussed are old, and they have many memories. So, be there. Be there. Welcome back to part two of our two-part episode, as we continue discussing 1939's Son of Frankenstein, starring Bela Lugosi, Basil Rathbone, Lionel Atwill, and Boris Karloff. I have a note here saying, man, is this kid annoying? And I don't know which scene it was referring to. (laughs) Uh, not 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 harping on Donnie Dunnigan at all like you know he he I think he was a cute kid who kind of had a it was sort of like um Gary Coleman like he kind of he had a thing he did and 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 everyone's like isn't that darling we'll put him in there and and I don't think this film he the characters the 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 Peter character is essential to the film this film doesn't work as well if 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 um Wolf just has a, a wife right Sure. He, he's got to have a kid. He's got to have progeny that he's got to, you know, correct the mistakes that were made by his yes. father, right? I mean, there there has to be a, a reason. So, and again, it, it's it this Peter is the third character that we can call the son of Frankenstein. So, really, there's three sons of Frankenstein in in the movie, which is just, you know, it's a, it's a film that it is what it is, but you can bring so much more to it, your own interpretation that it becomes a bigger thing, right? It's like a, it's a conversation uh, waiting yeah. to happen. It's great. And That's why it's, it's just, some uh, of the, some of the interviews of, of Donnie Dunnigan. Um, and I, I refreshed them not too long before we are recording here, which is why it's so fresh in my mind. Did, but, did uh, a deep dive into Donnie Dunnigan. I did. Um, but he, he talks about, I mean, he, he kind of laughs at himself because he's, you know, he goes, you know, here I have a deep Memphis, Texas accent and yeah, yeah. You know, with Basil Rathbone and, and Boris Karloff. And, <laughs> right, you know, right, right, right. The accent's all over um, the Well, hello. Well, uh, so apparently he said they had to do um, a few a few different takes because he would get up there and he'd, he'd say, well, hello, y'all. <laughs> oh, that's and, hilarious. And they'd want to reshoot it so he wouldn't say y'all at the end of it. <laughs> it's like it's like I want to find those outtakes. Yeah. Yeah, the hello, y'all. Yeah. Where, where we, oh, and there was this brief period where Wolf was in Kentucky. And, yeah. Father to and, child. Uh, had a kid. And, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, the kid learned to talk there. Um, uh, Donnie uh, makes a quick appearance in um, Tower of London as well. He plays... And oh, yes. blind, I I don't know what the character's name, but he plays the one the young the, prince the who's yeah right. yeah he's married off right yeah. and um and is is subsequently oh, yes. yeah. killed by yeah. by Boris Karloff interestingly enough which which uh in the in the play it's Richard the Third who kills kills the the two the two kids but um in yeah, that version it's, it's, side it's, note that even today you know eighty plus years later that is a very very unsettling scene. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a disturbing 
See, I, I can't wait to talk about Tower of London. I love Tower of London. I love that Universal took a Shakespeare play and turned it into a horror movie. Yes. It's just, <laughs> it's just absolutely, with all the trappings and everything, it's really, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a one-off. Like they didn't do anything else quite like that. And it's, it's just, I, I, I love it. And, and again, the great Basil Rathbone and Boris Karloff in it mm-hmm. together. Um, that's after this, right? They, they do yes. this and then they do Tower. Yeah. Correct. Um, Great, great, great piece. Great. And I love Richard III anyway. I love, I love, it's the only Shakespeare play where like the lead character is really like the, the villain, which is, which is wild. And you, you still kind of root for him. Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, so, you know, Wolf has been trying to revive the monster. And in this, there's this scene where, you know, he, he, he tries to do it one more time. And it, it's by all, uh, evidence, it seems to fail. Um, that the monster just won't come back. And he says to Igor, I'm sorry, you know, we just, we were not going to get him out of this coma. He's just too far gone. Cause, cause at some point, what, what's Igor's story that he, he, the monster's out walking around and the lightning hit him. Yeah. Um, which is a great, um, great thing. Lugosi does. Cause he does this, this thing with his hands, you know, he's just he does lightning. a zigzag with his hand. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, they're out walking and, and lightning strikes and knocks him out. But it, you know, at this point in the story, can you really trust anything that Igor is, you know? Right, Igor of course. Who knows? Yeah, because um, you know that's the other thing. Like, I think Lugosi's just one more beat on this. I think Lugosi's playing Igor as someone who does not speak whatever language it is everybody is speaking in the town of Frankenstein. Right? I mean, there's obviously yeah. people with British accents and people with other accents and everything. Um, but there's an accepted like the common tongue, right? It, we, we would call it if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, there's, there's one main language everyone's speaking. And, and Lugosi's with his, the, he's playing it with this kind of broken English thing. They die dead, I die live and stuff like that. He's playing as someone who, who is not a native speaker of whatever language everyone else is speaking. So that, that moment where he does the, the, the lightning zigzag is so neat because it's like he's, he's using this to help him think of the English word for what he's trying to say. It's just subtle, but it's just, yeah, it, it just makes the character really like just a neat thing. Uh, here we have the, the, the moment where we realize Benson is missing, I guess. Yes. Um, and, and, uh, um, so now, we, cause, cause Igor has been really suspicious of Benson from the beginning. He's, he's from the moment he came in, he tried to shove him out and Wolf is like, no, no, no. He helps me with all my work. I need him. You want the monster to come back to life. And then there's a moment where the monster starts coming to life and Benson grabs a scalpel and he's like, yes, ready to, he's ready to go, man. Um, uh, this isn't what Benson signed up for. <laughs> Benson doesn't, Benson's not being paid enough for, for, for what, what's happening here. Um, but, uh, but Igor has been suspicious of from the start and, and as, as happens to, you know, what people that Igor sees as an enemy, we have an idea of what's going to happen. I mean, the great thing is we've seen a few Frankenstein moves at this point. So we know, we know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the fact that it goes there is pleasing. You're like, Oh, okay. You know, great. Um, and this is where, um, with young Peter reveals that, that, you know, cause his whole bit is like, Oh, I go out and I hunt lions and tigers yeah. with my, my rifle and this, all this stuff. He's, you know, he's this little boy playing in, inside his own imagination. <clears throat> but then he mentions the giant that comes to his room. And there's a great moment where, oh yeah, I love it. Both both Wolf and Krogh know what he's talking about, and they neither of them is going to reveal it to the other. 
but they both there's just a look and they and and Krog has a great moment where the kid's like is there any giants around here and he's like only one that i know of like it's oh it's yeah it's like, must have been really good. and then he goes yeah, must perhaps been yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 perhaps yeah and the, mm. the music at that part is fantastic too yeah. i have to call that yeah. out again because it's such and I've, I've mentioned this before in past episodes that a lot of the the music for Hollywood around this time is very much over the top, very much kind of big brassy sweeping strings in your face. Um, right. The, the music for this score is very very contemporary because it's a very low, very mm-hmm. bass driven. You know, it's like understated. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just kind of like doom. You know, there. I mean, in a year in, a year, in the same year that Gone with the Wind comes out, right? Exactly as as, the, yes. as this movie, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it talk about like a big a fanfare of a of a of a score. Um, yeah, this whatever. Um, the other great moment, yeah. Um, Peter imitates how the how the monster walks. And yes, he, and he shows, and and so you've got this little like three foot tall little curly haired kid doing the Frankenstein walk, which is like, and he does it really well. It's like, oh yeah, no, that's the Frankenstein walk. And the minute the minute uh uh uh. Uh, Wolf sees it. It's like you know. So so this we're right about half hour or about halfway through the film, and and what I was talking about like Wolf Wolf's um, nervous disposition, kind of his high key thing. Like he he's <laughs> he's like he's he he's been in this kind of low grade intense panic kind of all the time. But he like again this he he goes grand mall frantic from this till kind of the end of the film. And this is like this this idea of this. A guy who who I think solves problems for a living, right? As a scientist, like he he yes. finds solutions to to things, is presented with this thing that he there's no solution for, it. and he it's out. He's he's done an ex, he's done an experiment that has now gone out of the lab and is out of control, and he's going to try to do what he can to manage it. But you know everything he tries, he he fails. He, he you know e- Igor is way too. Igor has way too much power over the creature, and the creature itself is too powerful for for Wolf to do anything. So he's he's stuck, and it's really um, it's got to be frustrating for a guy who's used to kind of commanding everything in his own yeah. in his own world. It, I wonder if it's a little bit. We talked about this in our uh, White Zombie episode. How um, and I forget that character's name, but um, you know the 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 very rich plantation owner in White yeah, Zombie, Belmont. Bobby, Beaumont. There you go. Who's obviously you know had kind of had everything handed to him in life and was never right, right, used right. To losing. You get the sense that maybe Wolf is a little bit like that because, like you said, it's just that or a combination of that and the fact that he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. In reality, yes. he's not because yeah, um, yeah, he's he thinks he's in control. And I think from this point on till the end, you he realizes slowly that he's not in control. Okay, the right. monster, you know, the, the monster's not alive. Oh, the monster is alive. Benson went missing. Yeah, he's probably just, you know, scared or he's drunk or, you know, he's doing something. No, he's dead. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. You know, he realizes he's been outmaneuvered by Igor. He realizes that Inspector Krogh is one to two steps ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he realizes that he's losing his family. 
you know, it's, so it's, it begins a yeah. very downward spiral for him, which is great yeah. to see because Rathbone is fantastic. And no, no, this. no, he's great at playing this. The it it's like it's like he the worst midlife crisis ever. Like he's yes. just every everything's this new hobby he he started right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he started like sculpting and it, and it just went out of control. Like he started making monsters and sure enough, um, you know, and it used to bother me in all his scenes with Krog and with his wife. <clears throat> it used to bother me kind of when I was first watching the movie when I was younger and thinking that, that how bad Wolf is at covering for what's happening. <laughs> Yeah. He's, 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 he's terrible. He, he, get, he get, it's obvious to everybody around him what's happening and Wolf just can't. And I think, I think to a contemporary viewer, I think we want to feel like our, our main characters are crafty and smart and can, can lie convincingly, I guess, yeah. to, to when, when necessary, like that, you we cannot. equate that <laughs> as whatever. Yeah. But, but as I, I mean, I get older, I, I just, um. I think I appreciate that, like, like again, Wolf is a scientist, and as a scientist, he's he's a guy who believes in absolute truth. Yes, and and it has his whole life, right? Um, so he's just not experienced at being duplicitous. Like he's not good at it. He's just not good at lying. It's not yeah. anything he's ever had to do, and it's just not something he he believes in really. And he's forced into doing it, and that's why he's so terrible. <laughs> he's yes. just. He sucks. Uh, uh, he, he must be awful at poker. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh, wait. I mean, never, you know. I do not have a royal flush in my hand right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. By no way do I have a royal flush. Yes. But we, uh, hmm. I think it goes back to that, the different, the kind of different skill sets, different um, mindset, to, depending on kind of where, where you're, brain is, is kind of pointed to for like a better term. Well, we yeah. talked about it in our, um, when we covered the inner sanctum, strange confession, talked mm-hmm. about how, you know, the scientist there, Lon, Lon Chaney's scientist is so smart and, and, and so, so skilled in one area, but terrible when it comes to interpersonal skill, terrible at lying, yes. terrible at confronting his boss, asking for a raise. Ne- yeah, yeah. Negotiating for salary. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. And, could be the same thing here. You know, Wolf is so smart and so much in control in a controlled environment, but then suddenly yeah. you've got all these variables of a monster of Igor and he's, he's, he's shaken. He can't, he can't do that. On the flip side, Igor has no skills as a scientist, has no skills to be able to be uh, smart enough to bring the monster back to life, but he is smart enough to manipulate and use someone mm-hmm. that has those skill sets to do it for him, you know, so it's, a, him, yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic there. Wolf goes back to the laboratory and he's picking up a knife and he's looking at chemicals. He's trying to figure out whatever, you know, to do it. Cause he looks for, for, uh, uh, you know, having, having learned that the monster has kind of visited his son, he goes looking for him and he doesn't find him at first and he starts looking into some stuff. And we have a, we have a, if, if there's a scary scene in the movie, cause the movie's not incredibly, scary um it's more of a yeah it's like a thriller um but the the monster does come out of the sulfur pit and slowly walk up behind him and we do yes. have like the the karloff's one moment to like really kind of you know do it do a real scene 
um, we have it starts off as a two hander with with him and and Wolf, and then and then Igor comes into the mix. Um, but he comes up and you know he puts his hand on his shoulder and and stares at him and stuff. Um, you know Karloff obviously like he's older than he was in thirty nine, and he's he's his face is a little heavier than it was. He he does get a minute to to be this this kind of curious thing, and and he he looks on the son of his maker, you know. Um, Recognizes and, and, him. Yes, and in a way. He, yeah, he, yeah, I think he recognizes maybe, you know, what he is. And then he he um there's a mirror and he kind of does this thing where he did, he does like a side by side comparison. And it's 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 sort of the second bit of the, the scene we have in Frankenstein where he first looks or Brad Frankenstein where he sees himself in the in the water. Yeah. Sees and, 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 and and sees the reflection and sees sees what he looks like. Um uh he he can't because he sees himself in the mirror and then he 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 thinks it's something else and then he realizes it's him and he brings Wolf in and he's like he turns his face and he's and Karloff does he gets to do these things where you know he he's he's big and strong whatever but he does he has these moments where he he just turns Wolf's face very gently with his hand and stuff like that he does these kind of subtle movements too that really um, it just reminds us of of, of the the craft that, that this actor brought to the character that it's not just a big lumbering, you know, mean creature and stuff like that. There's a, yeah. there's a human soul trapped inside this body that struggles to, to, to learn and to, 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 you know, you know, understand, I guess, but it's somehow outside of his ability to. I, the, the one of the things that I love most about this scene if Scott was here, I'd call it uh, selling, you know, pro wrestling term. But uh, <laughs> Rath- Rathbone's reaction, Wolf's reaction to when the monster grabs him. Not not when he grabs him on the shoulder, but, um, yeah. you know, when he he pulls him over towards the mirror. Yeah. Rathbone tries to, or Wolf tries to get away. And the monster grabs him by the forearm or just around the wrist and pulls him close. Mm-hmm. And when he does, yeah. you, you see this. Rathbone's eyes kind of go wide and he, he like looks down at his arm like, Oh my God, I'm right. about to, my arms are about to be broken. He could have broken. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it's very subtle, but it's, it's such a, such a great reaction because you get the, it really plays into how strong the monster is and how he could just do whatever he wants to whomever he wants at any time. Yeah. I, I have a note about that. It's funny. I'm watching the scene right now on my screen where, where you mentioned where he grabs, he looks at his arm. He's like, oh my gosh. Um, the the monster in the Shelley story, you know, there's this idea. It has, it has the strength of like eight or 10 men. It's, it's, it's um, superhumanly powerful. And, and that's the, that's the idea behind the, the universal cinematic Frankenstein monster as well. That said, in a lot of the movies, there's, there's not a huge, number of examples of the monster of showcasing the monster's strength um, in Frankenstein or Bride Frankenstein. There's, he has moments, but, but there's not a lot where we see him do something that, that it's not like just, he's like a strong guy. It's like, it's something the normal human could not do. Um, this movie, ironically, this movie and, and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein both have a couple examples of him just picking up something that there's, there's no business, there's no possible way a person could do it. And, and, you know, he picks up some of this lab equipment and just chucks it into the thing that like, like yeah. you kind of can't believe <clears throat> that ever um, that. Yeah. And that great moment where he, he, he manhandles a, a decently large, strong, 
adult man, like, like Wolf and Frankenstein. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of like rubs it over. So, so you realize, and, and then Wolf ends up talking about it to Benson. He's like, you have no idea the strength he had over me. He's like, I was like, I was a child in his hand. It was, it was amazing. So I think that's necessary to, to sell the danger that is the monster. Like the monster, if the monster's just sad and misbegotten, then it's not a horror movie. The monster does have to have that potential to be really dangerous. Um, yes. uh, uh, you know, you know, again, it, it, it just shows the power of the, the, the character and it's why it, it goes to why he's, he's a danger. Like, like for him to be this powerful, that did not just be unstoppable, not just to be kind of pathetic and a cautionary tale, but like a, an active danger. This is why you can't let the monster loose. This is why, you know, he's dangerous. Um, <clears throat> have you said all that? There's a great moment and it takes place at, at I looked it up and it's one minute it's one hour, one minute and 43 seconds in where it's right at the end of the scene. And Lugosi, Lugosi's character, Igor has, has pushed Carlos Frankenstein monster back. And he's doing this thing where he's like petting his chest a little bit. Like he's, he's doing the wax on wax off thing on his furry vest. And I'm telling you right at that moment, there's a moment where Karloff, I think Karloff breaks and I don't think it's, he starts smiling and they cut out, out of the scene. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's Karloff, the way Karloff would have, at least in my view, uh, done the monster grinning. Because the monster smiling and grinning is like kind of a different thing. I think it's actually Karloff starting to crack up. And I think it's Lugosi. Just, it's these two actors who are so, you know, and, 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 um, Livio, I, I, th- I think you've got some info about them having some fun on the set. But I do think it's like Lugosi just kind of enjoying trying to see if he can upstage Boris just a little bit and, and having fun with it and stuff. Yes. And so right, right before, you know, that this scene happens, um, Lugosi does this thing where, you know, he's explaining to Wolf that basically, you know, I can do what I can tell the monster to do whatever. And he'll listen, you know, like see, mm-hmm. watch. And he does this thing where he kind of, he's like, he's like, go, go. And and the way he kind of flicks his arm and tells him to go, like he's commanding a yeah. dog or something. Lugosi. Yeah. 100% enjoy doing that to Boris Karloff as Frankenstein's <laughs> monster. I, I with, think so. Without question. So. <laughs> but to what you're saying, I, you know, I, um, in preparation for this episode, there's a great, our friend Greg Mank has a great book on Karloff and Lugosi and he's got a, and just their films together and kind of their relationship together. And obviously he's got a chapter dedicated just to son of Frankenstein. And through his research kind of, you know, I think points out that uh, it was in this film that they they got as close close as they ever were or ever had been mm-hmm. and probably ever would be after. Um, I think a big reason would be, you know, Lugosi had just had his son about nine, ten months prior to this. Karloff's daughter was born during production uh, so that, you know, they bonded over that. I think in the beginning of the the production of the film, Lugosi did not appreciate or or like the the Britishness of Rathbone and Karloff in the same picture, and and I don't mean that as, as if Lugosi's just doesn't like someone just because they're British. It is more of I think the cultural differences as it relates to kind of mm-hmm. you know working and, and acting, you know, like stopping at four o'clock for tea and and things like that. Lugosi didn't didn't care for the the way that you know Rathbone and and Karloff would kind of 
bust up or, or make one-liners during during the shoots. Right, right. But I, I think as the production went on, Lugosi relaxed quite a bit and and learned to just have some fun. But there there are a few times that um, in that book that that uh, Greg mentions about Karloff or the set just kind of cracking up. So one of them is uh, the earlier scene where you first see Karloff's monster and Lugosi or Igor is, is telling Wolf, you know, that he goes, he's my friend. He does things for me. And <laughs> apparently, you know, when Lugosi said that line, which I mean, obviously they kept it in the film, but as soon as he said that, Karloff just started busting up laughing and, and so did Rathbone and, and I think everybody else uh, for obvious reasons. And and um, the same thing towards the end of the film when Karloff uh, is stepping on Peter and, you know, Donnie Dunnigan says, you know, Karloff is supposed to be, you know, with this big lead, lead boot. Right. Supposed to be stepping on me, but was so he was so gentle or so light that it was tickling him. And he just, it made him laugh and made him giggle and he couldn't stop, which in turn made Karloff <laughs> do the same thing, which, which, uh, you know, it kind of, I think everyone got a case of the, the laughs or the giggles. So yeah. it's, it sounds like it was a definitely a very fun set from, from that regard. There's a lot of, a lot of laughter, which is good. So yeah. I wouldn't be, that's my very long answer to say it would not, I, I bet it was 100% Karloff. Yeah. Cracking up at Lugosi doing the wax on, wax off to, to his chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there could have been other takes where Lugosi didn't do that and, and everything played fine. And maybe for some reason they decided that was the take and they'll leave just a little bit of that in there. And, and again, it was that thing where like no one, there was no expectation that people would, this movie would come out one time and there was no expectation that people would see it anymore, much less the dozen times I've watched it. And I, I never noticed it until watching it in, on the Blu-ray in HD on a, on a big TV. Suddenly I was like, Hey, you know, that, that looks, it looks, it looks like he's busting up a little bit. And, but you have, you know, like, look, you know, say what you want, like, you know, and p- some people are paid very well for doing it, but filmmaking is long hours and hard work under lights and, and, you know, makeup and everything like that. And, you know, you, you got to bring the fun to it whenever you can. And, and the more looter, you know, I've had moments on set where, everyone stops and looks around and realizes the ludicrousness of what we're doing. You know, there's like a woman with black eyes painted and screaming and, you know, writhing in bed and there's a demon character or whatever. Like, you know, you step back and you're like, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is amazing. We're being paid to do this. This is so crazy. Um, yes. So it's good. It's good to know. Like, like not, every, not, not every artistic enterprise is fraught with, you know, intent or with like, you know, you know, intensity and stuff. Wolf goes back and kind of confesses to Benson that, you know, the monster's alive. And he, we have a great moment where he goes, yes, alive, alive. He, 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 he mimics the, the, uh, it's like a callback to, uh, to, to the Colin Clive line that he has yes. in, in the first film or two. So it's really funny. And he, he just, and he does almost like a little impersonation of the monster with his, with his arms up, just like, you know, yeah, uh, just like, just like Donnie did kind of. Yeah. Fireplace, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's now one of my goals, by the way, to have a house that that's big enough that you can walk inside the fireplace. Like he, does. Like he <laughs> yeah. there's most where he's standing, he's standing yeah. In, yeah, somehow he's standing in. That's how big it is. Um, but he he Wolf talks to Benson about, um, you know, like you know, my problem is Igor. Igor can kind of controls the monster. If I can get Igor out of the way, then I can control the. I don't know. And unfortunately, you know, Igor is actually listening in on this whole conversation. So this yes. is another bit where we're talking about like, like Igor is like a step ahead of him the entire time and Krog is two steps ahead of him. So, um, 
as bright as he is, Wolf is sort of the the witless, you know, you know, tool in this whole thing. Um, uh, Igor and uh, and the monster go out hunting tonight. Um, there's there's a there's a great moment where they're looking out the window at I think it's Neumiller driving by on the cart, and, yes. and Igor's like points at me. He's like you know that one and he he clenches his hand and the monster nods his head like it's silent there's no audio to it but you know you get that that um these two do have this like syncopation right and he's like all right you know here i go um this is their i'm trying to i'm trying to do the math this is lugosi and karloff's fifth sixth film together Uh, i'm trying to uh you know black uh, invisible invisible ray black cat so Black Friday uh, happens Raven. after this. So Black Friday happens after th- this. That's what I was trying to figure out. It's like their fourth, fourth film together. It's interesting. Yeah. But it's their first actual monster film together. I mean, they've done they've done all the Poe films and they've done Invisible Ray where they're playing like actual just human characters and stuff. This is it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, uh eight years down the road from when they first obviously would have met both working on, you know, Dracula and Frankenstein respectively, um, into the mid thirties when they do all those, those other films, uh, this, they're, they're both in, you know, they both find themselves in makeup in the, in the character in, in these, in this, in this bigger than life setting and stuff. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wild seeing these two like play off each other. Um, yeah. So, so the monster again, hunts this like blasted crazy landscape and, uh, just swipes, Neumuller, I hope I'm saying that name right, like right off his wagon and, and, you know, does the thing. And then, and then, but then he's, it's weird because he's smart enough to, I talk about him being just this instinctual kind of character, but he's also smart enough to drag the body under the wagon and, and, and make the horses go. So it, so it covers the crime, right? It's like, I'm saying like like I feel like the monsters like learned how to do this pretty well. Like he's he's got some experience now at this point. Yeah, no, covering up the murders. And I have to point out too, um, Karloff. So by all accounts, this this costume was so heavy and not breathable. Oh, you know gosh. that that wool vest yeah. was was real. You know, and yeah. so he's he's more bulked up than normal. Those those boots obviously weigh weigh a lot. And you know, Karloff is mid fifties, you know, and has been dealing with chronic back pain now since, you know, for eight years, that's never been resolved, never will be resolved. And here he is at 54 years old, literally kind of swinging, you know, from this, this branch to, to, you know, to get around, um, uh, Noah Miller's, uh, neck and and pulls him off the, pulls him off the wagon. And it's a, it's, it's a very good scene, a very good stunt, but very, very athletic. You know that had to have been yeah. so hot and and painful yeah. for Karloff. <laughs> yeah, under this old, under this old like incandescent light, the clique lights or whatever they were, yeah, that they would have been using. Um, so I said it before. I'm sorry. Now is the point where they notice that Benson's gone because yes, uh, yeah. they, they, they sit down to dinner. Croak uh, sits down with them, and they're like, and they're like, "Where's Benson? He normally serves us." And he's like, "Oh, we don't know where he's gone." And um. Wolf comes up with this ridiculous thing. It's like, oh, he gets he. I send him to my lab, and oh, maybe he got confused, or maybe he was whatever. Like, and then he he keeps doubling down on. It. It's like, oh, maybe he went off and got drunk. Yeah, later and, on. and 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 and, like, and also like, like he doesn't drink. He's like, well, maybe sometimes he does. Like he's 
so bad at this. Yeah, so it's like, just like with it's like a child, you know, like with any lie, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. You know, and yeah. you know, same thing. You're like, ah, he just ran away. Well, he got scared. Well, he got drunk. Well, sometimes he does get, you know, sometimes he does drink, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's you're funny. Like, uh- Elsa and Elsa's just looking at him like, what is happening to this guy? Like he's just he's like he's just coming apart at the seams, and it's just it's it's it is sort of enjoyable to watch, because um, you know he falls into the he falls into the fault of his his father in the first movie that that I kind of always go into is like like he could confess he could he could be honest, and as a guy who believes in being on you know in the truth, you know he it would. It would make sense if if he, I mean, no matter what happens to him, he has to be like, look, here's the situation, and I feel like it's dangerous, and people are gonna people start dying. I mean, people start actually dying around him, uh, uh, you know, but nobody knows. But still, and instead of kind of, as opposed to what his dad did, where his dad, like, like Henry Frankenstein, just kind of like tries to ignore the problem and make it and hope it goes away. Um, Wolf. I don't think Wolf believes that everyone else is up to taking care of the problem. And Wolf, Wolf thinks he's the only one, right? Yes. Who, who, who can solve this, this issue. So he's going to keep the truth from his wife and he's going to keep the truth from Krogh and, and deal with this issue himself. Cause he, I guess in the sense of responsibility, like he feels like he created this issue, he's going to solve the issue and he doesn't trust anyone else to be competent enough to do it, but he should, because you know, this, <laughs> This isn't what he monster hunting is not what Wolf von Frankenstein is yeah. built for. Like <laughs> he's, yeah, there's no, there's no reason to expect that he would be able to do this. But he's a guy who, who I think attacks a problem and solves a problem, you know, habitually. So that's what he thinks. He kind of confronts Lugosi. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, he says like someone's someone's been killed. You know, what have you guys been doing? And Lugosi covers. He's like, no, you know, we've just been resting here. We've been hanging out. We went out. A little bit, but not really. And and he's curious about the cave. And he's, oh, it's just a cave. We just go there. And there's a moment where he he goes to um he goes to touch the monster and 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 uh Igor like slaps his hand away, which is yeah like aggressively, like it's a thing. So like, you don't touch him, like this is it. Um you know, uh so so Igor's Igor's gotten what he needed out of out of like out of uh Wolf and, and yeah, you know, he, he kinda has no more use. Shut him out, him. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you feel like if 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 not if nothing happened, Wolf would eventually probably be on the monsters list of targets because <laughs> if if Igor's eliminating every obstacle in his way and he's he's done he's done Benson in and he's doing all the the the, the town council people, then you know Elsa finally confesses to to Wolf that she hates it here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, long time coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and he's like, okay, you know, I'm going to send you guys away and I'll follow you in a few days. Cause uh, so that's Wolf's plan is he's going to take care of this problem. He's probably going to try and figure out a way to destroy the monster. And, and, you know, meantime, he'll get his wife and kid out of there. And, you know, they just have this awkward moment of, you know, sleeping together. Um, the monster goes and kills Lang, right? Is it the second one? Yeah. And, and that's where the villagers have had enough. And, and they, they, the villagers, Angry villagers are going to angry villager, right? So, yeah, and the the Lang's death scene is really well done because it's just shadows, and so yeah, you, yeah. you go from having kind of more of an action scene where you see the monster uh, right. kind of moving quickly through, like the the woods, so to speak, woods without vegetation, 
and right, right. swinging down to essentially clothesline and headlock the guy off of, off of a right. moving carriage. Here, uh, the monster is much more uh, stealthy, I guess. You know, he, he kind of stalks mm-hmm. him. So Lang is, is just he, know, he pulls down the window shade, which is really he does. <laughs> He's like he does, and you just yeah. see his, his shadow just walk kind of very quietly right up to mm-hmm. behind him, and, and Lang kind of senses he's there and, and and gets up and sees him, and he just utters out the "Oh no!" You know, right before he the monster grabs him and just pounds him, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. he doesn't he doesn't try to hide his tracks this time. You know, he just kind of leaves. Leaves the body laying there. It's true. He gets floppy. Like, you know, <laughs> he just leaves it. Yeah. It does, Too doesn't, I don't know what he would, he would like pull a, pull a part of the wall down on top of the guy to make it seem like it was an accident <laughs> yeah. or something. But yeah, he does. You're right. He doesn't try to disguise it. And that's what, you know, now the villagers are like, okay, now, now everyone's being, getting killed. And, and naturally they, they blame Wolf and they, they're coming for the castle. And Krog shows up and, and basically tells him, like, the mob's coming. I'm going to put my guards at your gate to protect you, but you can't leave the castle. So Wolf's plan to um, to send his family away to safety, now he can't do that. Now now they're all trapped. They're prisoners in their own house, like he says. Yes, and I love, 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 love this, the visual of this scene because um, Krogh, is, he's got his kind of overcoat on, he's got the hat and yeah. it's shot. It's almost like a '60s Batman. It's shot at an angle, you know, <laughs> so it's not. Yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. looking at it straight on, but behind him is just this. Like you hear the villagers, and it's just kind of this very white, foggy, atmospheric. So it's it's not at night, but it's still very gothic, very mm. atmospheric. I just yeah. I, I love how this how that scene looks. Yeah, pure universal. It almost looks like something out of the, out of the Wolfman. It's so great. Like, yes. so yeah, it's, it's so. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say like like, and a certain type of person might see this as like a failing of the film, but it's one of my favorite parts of the film. It's like it's almost impossible to tell if it's daytime or nighttime in in the in the village of Frankenstein. Yes, <laughs> it's like the place is always shrouded by this like fog or 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 overcast or whatever. There's never there's never a bright sunny day in in the town or if it's nighttime it's all moonlit so the the town itself exists in this perpetual twilight right <laughs> which is so fitting to the thing um uh oh so so the next step of the thing is is um as he's visiting the house <clears throat> crow goes and visits little uh peter and peter gives him a watch that the the, the giant gave him because he, he's telling him about oh about the giant Gives him the watch the giant gave him, and the watch is engraved from Benson's dad. So he realizes, okay, he got it off of, off of the bo- You know, the, the the monster took it off the body, and then the monster gave it to 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 little little Peter. Um, yes. So you don't tell Peter any secrets because Peter's a rat, man. Peter will sell you out in a <laughs> second. Will. You give him a you give him a present, and he sells you out, man. What the heck? Come on. Uh, <laughs> um. Here's the point where where Elsa's had enough, and she's like, "Wolf, you're acting like a lunatic." Like, she, and she's like, "I would, I would think you're up to something, you know, if if yes, if, if I didn't know better, but you yeah. know, <clears throat> yeah, yeah." And it's a moment where I think Wolf sees from the outside what how he appears and what he's doing, and he's like, "Okay, I gotta, I gotta take care of some business." He goes down and he finds the monster sleeping, and he lifts up a rock and he's gonna crush the monster's head, which. You know, it makes you wonder, like, would that work? I mean, no one, no one's tried 
smashing the monster's head with a rock. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, a castle fell on his head and it didn't hurt him. So yeah, say, I'm not yeah. sure if that's really. He was on the top of a tower that exploded and collapsed. So yeah, you know, chances so, are he'd survive. <laughs> pro- yeah, probably not. Like, would the rock just break or bounce off his head? And I mean, certainly he he he, the monster would not be happy about it. Um, uh, <clears throat> you know, the the situations. There's a little bit of a ticking clock here, and it's nice. There were, you know, the situation is getting worse. The mob is getting angry outside. They're prisoners in their own house, but Krogs like in there with them. And and here we have the the dart scene, the famous dart scene, <laughs> um, uh, where uh, Wolf is Wolf is just frantic because you know he's trapped now. He can't he can't help. He can't get his family to safety. He can't do anything to the monster while Krogs watching him. He's trying to. He's trying to maintain, like we said, like this plan he's got, and and like like you said, Olivia, like the plan's just gone to shit. I mean, it's just, <laughs> and yeah, so he's stuck it, throwing darts at a wall. Yeah. So it, and there's so I'm gonna I've noticed this before, and I think this could be, and it, maybe not, but uh, um, I'll invite you to go back and look at it and tell me. But I think this is a scene very similar to what you said before, where you think Karloff kind of cracks up. I think mm-hmm. Rathbone just for a split second, you, you see where he's going to kind of do the same thing or he at least yeah. gives Lionel Atwell a look uh, because um, so they're doing the darts and, and I think it's when Atwell first goes to actually throw it. So Atwell uh, I'm assuming is like most of us and is, is right-handed um, but his his right arm is you know obviously fake, and so yeah. he's thro- throwing a dart with his left arm, and he just totally misses. I mean, he like it goes so wild. Yeah, yeah it's and, like a, it, he hits like a foot <laughs> above the board, and he, yes. he's like six feet away from it. It's it's it is really funny. Yeah, and and you see Rathbone. He he like looks at the dart, and then he like looks back at Atwell, and he kind of gives him this yeah. look of like. Oh my God, really? <laughs> Did you and, really just do that? It, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. it kind of cuts away real quickly, but I, I always thought that was that was funny because I, I have a feeling that Rathbone just was either going to poke fun at him or just laugh yeah. at him for 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 missing I, I mean, such wide margins. They're both British, and British people take darts seriously. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's a thing there more more than it is here here in the US even. Um it's really funny. Um no, I, I, I agree. I think and again I do think that's the other <laughs> that's the other callback that young Frankenstein does where he's Wolf's like he's holding he's holding the dart with the feathers pointing the wrong way and he throws it over his shoulder by mistake and there's a cat screaming yeah. and all, <laughs> yeah. that, all that. I do think that's the genesis of, of, of that. Um <clears throat> those scenes with and we've we've talked about this just a little bit ago, but but I these we're back to these scenes because we come back and forth to to them in the in the study a few times and these are you're right they're they're very active theatrical scenes these are two actors doing a scene together and it's scripted but there's also there's a lot of kineticism um that's going on and it's it's you're just watching two really good actors playing off of each other and yes. it happens to be in a in a monster movie but there's nothing monsterific going on in the thing they're we're just advancing the plot and it's two actors going at it. And, and I do think there's like this kind of, there's like a little macho thing going on that happens on stage sometimes where, where they are, they are sort of, you know, it's a big scene and they're, Basil Rathbone's being pretty big. He's being, being pretty intense. And 
Lionel Atwell has to decide, like, is he going to be intense or is he going to underplay it as a contrast? And does that underplaying come off even a little more powerful than Basil Rathbone's kind of kineticism? Yeah, yeah. It's real, it's real theatrical stuff and it works, you know, it, it works great. And it's, it's, it's these two characters having a, they're basically having a fight scene. It's like a sparring match. It's just, it's just verbal rather than, than, uh, than, than physical. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you get, um, another, so it, it all starts to kind of fall into place here very well. So the, the villagers, you know, they do kind of mob the gates of, of the, the castle and you get Lugosi or you get Igor, um, playing his, his little, his flute or his, his oboe mm-hmm. over the sound of, of the crowd. It, and it's right. almost, it, it's, it's almost in a very defiant, uh, way because, um, he knows, he knows that they know, <laughs> you know, yeah, and it, yeah. it's, it's like the crowd also knows that he knows that they know. <laughs> yeah. And, but, but, and he, and he's stirring up the crowd by playing it. Exactly. He, he's he, making the situation worse and he's enjoying it. And he's enjoying the fact that they can't, no matter what, they can't pin anything on him. He knows it. he's been so careful to be, you know, they say that, that every time there's been a murder, he's been in full view. Yes. So they know it's not him and stuff like that. So, you know, he's so, I mean, crafty he's, like that. He is, and in a way, he's he's hung the monster out to dry because it's like Igor is the architect, yeah. right? I, Igor is this is all right. from his his mind, his doing, but Igor never did it. You know, it, it's yeah. always the monster who's who's done these these crimes, right? You know, Igor's right. just sitting there under under observation, kind of playing his flute. Yeah. So <laughs> he's 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 the Charles Manson, right? And then yeah. the monsters, you know, Twiggy or whatever else, uh, right? Um, uh, what Igor doesn't predict, though, is that Wolf is finally in the midst of his mania, just going to go to the laboratory and shoot him in the gut, which is what he does. He just uh, Wolf has just finally had enough. Um, Igor's waiting for him, though, with a hammer, which is a nice... It, it's a nice callback yes. that, that that him being a blacksmith, his his weapon of choice is a, is a like a ball-peen hammer, which I'm sure would hurt if we've demonstrated how strong Igor is. If he got a hold of you with a hammer, it'd probably really kill. Um, but Wolf has come armed and, and he, he shoots Igor and, and kills him. And that's just like, a, it's quick. It, it, you know, for a character, I mean, and I, I guess it's okay because we find out that Igor didn't die in the next film. So, right. you know, it's all right. He um, just magic. It's kind of like a George Zuko in, in the mummy's hand, you know, falls down. 80 yeah. stairs, you know, and yeah, yeah, he doesn't fall down 80 stairs, but yeah, seriously, yeah, he does get yeah. any shot in the gut. Um, uh, um, you know, things are really ro- roaring now. Um, uh, Krog has found the secret passage in, 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 uh, Peter's bedroom and goes in and he finds Benson's body. Um, uh, you know, he and, he and Wolf meet up again in the studio, in the, in the, in the, in the library. Um, he shows him the the thing in the chain and he shows him that, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, you know, foul play. Wolf tells him that he shot, he shot, uh, Igor and (laughs) Krogs like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. For a guy who upholds the law, he's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's on your property. It's such a great back and forth. And and this is where you really get into acting chops of both Atwell and Rathbone because they, Oh, it's just, it's fantastic. It's something that you, I mean, this, this saying is, is probably overused today, but this is something you don't see 
today. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in in movies today, it's 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 rare that you have two such theatrically trained and and such well trained actors um, sparring at each other in in just a battle of wits like this, just verbally back and forth. Um, yeah, not not in not in genre entertainment, that's for sure. Yes, um, like you know dramas and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but like but like you know genre stuff. There's a lot of pressure. I mean, there's a lot of money on on you know being spent, obviously, and you know producers and studios want that money to go towards visual spectacle. Absolutely. So the idea of having you know a quiet thing like the, these two things. I mean, the most the closest thing I would think of in a big action movie lately maybe would be Mad Max Fury Road. There's a few scenes with Charlize Theron and. And, and Tom Hardy and stuff. There's there's little moments, but not this kind of extended theatrical thing. I get it. And because in a contemporary world, this comes off as theatrical and, and that the connotation of that is a negative thing now. Like you, 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 nobody wants that is, is the, is the idea. I'm not sure that's true. I think, I think a good scene between two actors is a good scene between two actors. And yes. if the writing's good and if, if it, if it falls into the storyline in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, but 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 Croak finally is he's finally saying what he's thinking now. He's, yes. He's like I'm going to hang you for for this. You're responsible for this. I know you are. I've already been to the thing. I know everything about you and I am I'm on your case, buddy. Like like he's he's finally put his cards on the table, which is it's been building this the whole time and he's been underplaying it so much that now when he finally lets loose, you're like, "Whoa, okay. Now it's a he is wearing his hat. Wow." <laughs> yeah. And um, it, it the, the dialogue is so great. So like, you know, he says, you know, I, I've, uh, I'm going to kill or I've killed Igor, you know, so what are you going to do? Are you going to arrest me? He says, no, I'm going to congratulate you. And then like, it, or, <laughs> you know, like you said, this is where he, he shows his cards and he goes, because yeah. he undoubtedly killed Benson. And then you, you kind of get the, the, a little bit of a deer in a headlight look from, from Wolf. He's like, Oh, Benson, right. <laughs> you know about this. <laughs> And, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he, you know, says it's just such a great, you know, piece of dialogue that Atwell delivers, you know. But Igor didn't do it, neither did you. There's a monster afoot, you know it. He's in your control, and you're worse than your father. I'll feed you to the yeah. villagers, like the Christians fed the Romans to the lions, or vice versa. Romans fed, yeah, fed yeah, Christians yeah, yeah, to the yeah, lions. Yeah. It's just, it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a great it's a great line. Of it. So there's great dialogue in this movie. I mean, I know the the pacing sort of like. It's it, it's a little fluid sometimes, um, but but yeah, no, it it really like like the, the 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 dialogue really. I mean, if it took him a while to get to the point during production where they're still writing and stuff, then hey, whatever, it it, it works. Um, um, there's a great scene where the monster carries uh, Igor down to to the crypt, down to the bed where he's been sleeping. Um, yes, and and I've looked at it a couple times. It's Karloff literally just carrying. Lugosi, you know, 180 pound man in his arms yeah. with his arms stretched out. And I'm looking at, and I've always been like, there's no way that's happening. And, and I, if you look at it, you can barely see a couple wires. I think Lugosi's in like a harness um, that's keeping his back straight. He's like on a board or some kind of thing with, with wires going up probably maybe between his, his legs and maybe under his shoulders. Um, but they're very thin wires. It really, it really almost, it, it's a little underlit too, which is, which helps. It's, it's really, but it, again, it's this thing is showing like the freakish strength of the monster. Yeah. He's just, you know, plops him down kind of. Um, uh, yeah. And in HD, the wires are pretty <laughs> evident, but Hey, um, <laughs> but he takes that care with him. You know, it's nice. It's his friend. Again, it's this, this, if this is our last 
like legitimate moment of seeing Karloff as the monster. Um, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice moment. I know he shows up in like, uh, lizard's leg and owlet's wing that one episode of yes. 60, route 66. And I think he put on the makeup one more time for something else too. Like you were saying, like it's like the Ed Sullivan show or something or uh, it's the, yeah. So I had, I had trouble um, figuring this out when I think we talked about it in white zombie or something, but um, it's, in 1947 actually so it's it's post uh, jack pierce's mm. time at universal um and kind of post that that's the second cycle if you will of, of horror films but um it was the secret life of walter mitty and he's okay. actually a, it wasn't made but that 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 movie's not made by universal i forget what studio actually does it but i know they had to license the likeness oh wow yeah uh, of of frankenstein's monster to do it and unfortunately, it, it whatever was shot was cut, which seems like a very expensive thing to do <laughs> to, sure. to wind up on a, really? on a cutting room floor. But it was actually Jack Pierce that made up Karloff. Um, and Pierce came back and did it. That's really amazing. Cause, yeah. Because by then, the Westmores were, were doing where Bud Westmore was, was in charge yes. of Universal. And he would have, he's the one who brought in the the actual, like the foam uh, prosthetic uh, era into Universal. Yes. And, and that's, you know, with Glenn Strange, when you see him in, 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 in some of those movies and stuff, that's, it's, there's a slightly different look. Um, cause there's a, there's a great close up of, of the monster here. And, and the thing I, the thing I'm actually totally fine about, you know, Lego or Karloff's look changing is we are, we have established that this is 40 years later right. from, from the time of the monster's inception. So, and you know, while maybe the monster doesn't age like the rest of us, he is aging. You and, know, he's, and tissues are evolving and decaying and whatever. Yes, and and experienced some some pretty heavy trauma. You know, yeah, right. Just from not only from being burned and, and shot at and all that stuff, but um, yeah. they mention it several times in in this film. Wolf mentions it about you know he's he's got some sort of severe head trauma and and yeah and. I would assume it'd be the result of the explosion at the end of Bride of Frankenstein and just, like you said, 40 years of just not being medically treated not, or cared for in any way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah cause, cause you know, he, you know, he's got this robust physical thing and his blood is powerful and all this stuff like that. But yeah, I, again, it, it's this idea that like, you know, age has come to him a little bit and, and unfortunately with not wisdom, but um, yeah, it's, a, it's just a nice, it's an it's a nice thing. Um, he he mouths something, and I can't tell if in the close up when he's looking at, at Igor, his mouth moves and sounds come out, and I can't tell if they if those are the sounds he made or if it's sounds they put in, and he actually tried to say something. It it really has always looked to me like he says something. Um, yeah, right. Always, in this close up at the end. I agree. I've always felt like the those sounds. I mean, I think the sounds are from Karloff. But I yeah. don't think it's the actual sounds he made at the time that that was being yeah, that's filmed. What I, think. I think it was added because um, it doesn't. Yeah. You're right; it doesn't. It, it seems like he is kind of mouthing something, or or and it, it just doesn't line up. Perfectly. Anybody out there I, listening to the episode, hit us up on our Facebook or or Instagram page. I, I know one of our followers out there, one of our <laughs> thousand some followers, is they they know what he said or something like that. These these folks have like an incredible base of knowledge we have such a good support system there someone will teach us um but now now the 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 monster is just 
he's had it. He's he's going to go up there. And he. the interesting is the first thing he does, he just, and I guess it's what's at hand, but he, he destroys all the things that brought him to life, like forever. So they brought him back to, to life, I guess I should say. So it's like, it's like he's, he's not committing suicide, but in a way he's, he's saying like enough of this, like this, this is, it ends here, you know, right? Yes. He's had it. Um, and again, yeah, he picks up this table that should weigh a thousand pounds and just chucks it. And I think it's, it's mostly all Karloff doing this. So again, it's another big physical scene Karloff's doing. Um, and maybe he just, <laughs> maybe he was just thinking about how much he hated being in all this, this makeup and stuff. <laughs> yes. just, just like, was like channeling, yes. <laughs> channeling it a little bit and stuff like that. And he hey. goes so, he goes so intense that some of the makeup starts coming up loose a little bit. The bolts on his neck start peeling off a little bit and stuff. It's, it's interesting. You start seeing the seams. Yeah. I um, bet a lot of that has to do with just heat and sweat. He, because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that'll do. Uh, it. Just so I mean, you you said this at the beginning of the episode, and, and you're right. You know, nothing of this was filmed, you know, outdoors or outside. So you're talking about oh, yeah. an enclosed set, um, a, a steaming, you know, uh, sulfur yep. pits or you know whatever it was, you know, below, and then Karloff. Yeah, whatever they're using for that. Not only the makeup, but then the suit that's been bulked up, and then a wool, <laughs> a coat, you yeah, know, over yeah. it, and and he does. He's he's very agile he's very athletic um mm-hmm. in 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 this scene and he even does a almost like a baseball slide you know as he you know he goes, i he love to, that shot yeah i do too because so yeah. he goes to throw the the fairy tale book and then he gets the idea that oh okay so he you know wolf has killed my friend i'm gonna go after his son and so he, yeah. he runs i mean he literally runs and like slides to this ladder to to go down it to go get Peter and it, it's it's great for a guy who's not able to bend his ankles it's a pretty smooth move I mean <laughs> it he, is he braced it so he couldn't he couldn't bend his ankles he, he that's why he always has to walk like flat footed like that it's really wild um yeah I know it's really and and so I'll tell you the there you know there's those insert shots of the sulfur pit but I don't think that was contiguous to the to the laboratory set. I'm sure that was a different set somewhere in, on a different soundstage or somewhere else, just differently on the on the same stage, or shot at a different time. <clears throat> so the you know the lighting effect of that, what we're seeing the sulfur glowing from behind at the rear of the, the stage, that's just lights, and those are lights pointed up from below, and those lights are hot. So yeah, I mean it's definitely. That's a hot stage. I can, I guarantee. Even in December, I guarantee you, like that's or November, whenever they shot this, like that's a that's a hot stage. Yes. Um. <laughs> um. So so he so the monster neck his next step he finds the fairy the fairy tale book and he goes and he grabs he grabs little Peter he goes back to Peter's room and grabs him and he carries him he, he kind of walks hand in hand Peter just goes with him and he's in his little PJs and you know yeah um and he. And he, there's a moment where they walk to the end of the cave, which the cave, by the way, I've been mentioned the, the amazing look of the cave, which is there's these, there's these like crystal geo type stalactite things in the ceiling. It's just, it's, it looks, it's this narrow little shoot of a, of a thing that the monster walks up and down and his silhouette fills. And it's just, ah, oh, it's just, I don't see, I don't see the stills from that enough in like stuff about universal mon, you know, movies and stuff. It's, it's iconic as heck. Um, but he brings, little Peter back to the ladder above the sulfur pit. And there's a moment he lifts him up and there's a moment where, you know, there's this moment where like, is he going to just chuck the kid into the, cause he's throwing everything else in there. Is he just going to chuck the kid into this boiling sulfur pit? And you're like, 
well, nah, he doesn't do <laughs> yeah. that. There's a moment where you're like, I don't know, kid's kind of annoying, but yeah, nah, probably not. And he puts him on the ladder and he, and he, you know, and the cutest thing is he, you know, he lifts him up and then the little, the kid like turns around and, and, and takes his hand and helps him to, you know, climb up the ladder, which is just really yeah. amazing. Like it's, it, you know, this, obviously Peter, it's a good moment. Yeah. Peter does not, is not aware. I mean, it, he's not able to process, you know, at four years old, he's not able to realize the danger that he's in yes. and um and and there is a very nice moment because you know he Karloff puts him off the ladder and you know sets him on the ground and, and so Peter turns around and you know tries to help him and he even says you know it's like hey here we are and and yeah. Karloff it, it makes Karloff or it makes the monster stop and hesitate just for a minute because he kind of stops right. and looks at him as as he's helped but then he just keeps going but there's that moment, there's a brief moment of hesitation there where it kind of, you, you can tell it kind of reaches him. Yeah, yeah. It, his rampage kind of stops for just a second. And then he's like, well, you know, okay. Well. And, and then you don't know what how it's going to happen, except, like, I'm not sure what the monster's plan is at this point. Like, he's got the kid. I just don't know. Like, he's, I mean, but I think, like, the kid is going to be his new friend. He's decided, like, okay, well, I lost my one friend. Now this kid is going to be my new friend because... It's just like it's like the blind man in in Bride of Frankenstein. That P- Peter is so young that he doesn't he hasn't built up the biases that all the adults have that make them look at the monster and scream in terror and find him horrific. The the kid just doesn't have that. He's just you know he's too innocent for that. So I th- I think his somehow the monster's idea is that he and Peter are going to go off and you know go live somewhere and and be friends and that yes. Yeah. Because the, the the monster's mind at this point is kind of like a child's mind as well. Like there's the, and 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 I guess in, you know now now I'm thinking about it, you've mentioned, Livio that that he that Wolf finds this all this like cranial damage right from the thing. So yes. is has the monster basically been brain damaged? Is I guess I guess. I guess I knew that, but I never really actively processed the idea of it thinking about this movie is like, is the monster just, is he mentally handicapped now, it, you know, through, through head trauma? Yeah. Like, is, is it, has it brought so that, about, you know, some kind of degenerative thing? I mean, yeah. so he's basically reduced to being a child now too. Wow. My own, my own rationalization is, so, you know, we go from Frankenstein and, and obviously he's, he, he is a, he's a new baby. I mean, and, and, and he's, yeah. he's learning all this things for, for the first time. Um, and, and it's why he's so distraught when, when he accidentally kills Maria by throwing her in, into the lake. And, right, right, and right, he's, right. He's, he's learning, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't know. Um, and he's scared. In The Bride of Frankenstein, he's educated. He's educated one through his own experience, but he's also educated through the hermit and through Dr. Pretorius. Um, right. In, in, in a not good, you know, so he, he's got two, two, <laughs> Two, um, one good, one not good teachers. Like role models. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, And to me, you know, I guess in my mind that that brain damage or that that head trauma is kind of the rationalization for how many steps back the character or the monster has taken between bride and son. Um, He kind of goes goes back to being a little bit more on his own and goes to Frankenstein. But after goes to Frankenstein, when you get to Frankenstein is a Wolfman and then the two house films, 
I mean, there, there's, he literally, he's a shell. He's, he's just a walking shell and, and that's it. So he never, right. he never gets back to where he was in Bride. And that's kind of no. my own assumption or rationalization is that he's, he's yeah. had some sort of yeah. trauma. That makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's like, it actually is like if you have a stroke or, you, you know, something like that happens and you have to start relearning from the beginning a lot yeah. of times. A lot of people have to like, learn all sorts of things over again because the, the parts of their brain that knew how to do those things got damaged or cut off somehow. And now they've got to like train other parts of their brain to learn how to do these same things. So that's a really nice, like I feel kind of dumb that it's taking me all these years and, and talking about this movie now for two and a half hours before I, I really kind of cemented in my brain. <laughs> so maybe I've had some kind of damage too. I don't know. Um, but that, that kind of makes me happy where I'm like, okay, it's like, if I can justify the, the, the choices the filmmakers made, if, you know, if it, if it follows any kind of rationale, I'm like, okay, no, I'm, I'll buy that. That's great. So, yeah. So, so the monster is basically reduced to being a child and, and he's doing a childish thing. He's, He's breaking all his toys, right? First of all, and then and then his next plan is like, I'm I'm just gonna find a new friend. And of course, yes, the Inspector Krogh and and, and Wolf von Frankenstein have different ideas about that because uh, they're they're both on on the on the run. So you know, the monster it's almost like he's trying to protect the kid from them a little bit. Like he you know they want to take the kid, and he's like, no, that's he's my new friend now. Um, there's the great moment, <laughs> and we have this great moment where he just. <laughs> Crow comes up and he points his gun at him and, and grabs him and and the the monster just rips his arm off yes. again. <laughs> it makes me sorry that well in Ghost of Frankenstein, Lionel Wowell plays a different character, so he can't play Krog anymore because because I kind of want to know what happens to Krog after this. Like, does he just have to get a new arm? Does, does he, he just put the same one back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the same old thing. And then and then like, you know, what happens like a couple weeks later, he's like walking down the street and, and his arm catches on something and tears off again. It's just, it keeps happening to him. It's just like, oh, not again. There goes that arm again. But yeah, he pulls it off and then the strap comes with it and stuff. It's really, it's horrifying. And for a moment, you feel like he's about to beat Krogh to death with Krogh's own artificial lip. <laughs> it's just, which is twisted. He's waving it around, you know. Um, Wolf manages to get, uh, you know, up up tall, uh, up above the, the thing. Um, like you said uh, before, yeah, um, the monster puts Peter down and then puts a boot on him to keep him in place while he's dealing with, you know, whatever this unfortunateness, you know, is, these obstacles in his path. And the kid's crying and the, like, like, so Peter's not having fun anymore. Like his new friend, this isn't working out the way he, <laughs> he would, I guess. No. So poor Peter. Um, and yeah, I mean, so... Peter definitely at, at this moment realizes, okay, this isn't fun anymore. But I, yeah, I think yeah. this is so at the very end of the movie, finally, Wolf gets to be smarter than everybody yeah. else because he's obviously familiar enough with kind of the laboratory and he's done enough work to where he's, he's knows before he ever enters that I am going to, it's almost like, you know, the, what's topical right now with, the Obi-Wan series for any of the Star Wars fans. Wolf mm. needs to have the high ground <laughs> in this yes, exactly. in this, mm-hmm. in this situation. He gets to do that. He gets to finally be the smartest person and also take rescue his son and rescue his family and, and essentially yes. in, himself in the process by just 
cutting ties and saying, nope, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm killing this now and, and, and right. knocking the monster into the sulfur pit. This 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 mistake that my father made that's cur- that's come and cursed my generation and the family too, like I have to do, yeah. Um, yes. And he also uses physics because there's no way Wolf is going to be able to physically push the monster into the sulfur pit. Oh, He's yeah. got to use the leverage, the inertia that he gains from, you know, from... From, he also gets to kind of upstage Errol Flynn just a little bit by doing like a big swing, like like Errol was known to do in in all his films. So he gets to he gets to kind of do do the swing and it, it, this very heroic thing. Um, the the guy he he kicks into the pit is definitely not Boris Karloff. It is no. it is obviously somebody else in a in a rather hastily put on appliance, and you only see it very briefly. It's not like a big glaring kind of thing, but uh. But he definitely like I, I it it honestly it looks like it looks like Rathbone doing the swing though I'm pretty sure it, it's him the hair looks right you only see him behind but but the hair does look good um, and and it, it was definitely something Rathbone would be physically capable of doing any any something like yes. that um, uh, yeah and then uh, he he swings down and kicks the monster into the sulfur pit and we have a I mean it'd be great if if the monster you know fell down and then like you know vanished into a thing but it's universal so they have to come back and do a close-up of the monster covered in boiling tar on uh, you know surrounded in flames just like this this hideous death of a thing and i think it's i think it's like a dummy that they put in there but it's it's pretty um pretty gnarly i don't know what they made the sulfur pit out of i have no idea what that what that is that's that's on fire but it's also this molten thing i think it's i think it's probably air they're pumping in underneath that's making the bubbles because so i don't think it's like actually hot at all but um, yeah it's cool it's, looking it's they, they use something like that uh something pipe or or some type of hose yeah. or something with with air to get it to to do it yeah. but it's, it's such great effects that's <laughs> yeah, really as, cool as a kid i i really enjoyed the part of seeing someone fall into this sulfur pit that they've shown like you know three <laughs> times four times before right but, you know that that that's it, it they, always satisfies my inner child seeing that happen. <laughs> they've set it. They've set it up quite a bit, and and the monster is being pretty awful at that point. So you're kind of like, well, okay, let, let's let's maybe deserves to be taught a lesson for now. We'll see. Um, yeah, no, no, it's great. It's it's the it's the Richard Donner thing. He talks about you show the banana peel, you show the banana peel, then someone slips on the banana peel. Like it's you know you yes. you set you set the gag up, and then and then when it happens, everyone's like, oh, I knew that was gonna. Yeah, it's 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 the fulfillment, uh, the satisfying. Um, Wolf is, you know, reunited with his family, his wife and his son and their maid is in the scene, of course, because <laughs> she's basically the kid's surrogate mother. Um, but this is my final thing is just like I'm saying, like Wolf does finally at the end, he does realize what what is important and what's not important. And what's not important is is vindicating the memory of someone who's who's already dead, you know, it, it, as, as per his father what does matter is is protecting what's still alive, which is you know his family and stuff, and 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 having that priority in in place. So yeah, good for him. <laughs> and there is um, um, <laughs> there's kind of the last potential um, blooper or, or leave in, or maybe just a nice touch. Um, and and we're gonna probably call back Young Frankenstein one last time. <laughs> but so when. Uh, Wolf and and uh, Elsa and Peter are waving goodbye, and uh, you hear Peter say, "You know, 
goodbye, General, or goodbye, Inspector. And you hear Atwell say goodbye, Peter. And, and you see Atwell kind of take his, his fake arm and, and kind of put it back to a, um, like a, you know, like a military, you know, salute. Oh, right. But, but then his arm is, stays there the entire time, <laughs> stays up to his, to his forehead <laughs> as the train goes He's off. stuck. It never goes it's, back down. And it always it makes is, me laugh. It is, and it's the Kenneth Mars thing where he's like, oh, shut, shut, shut. he starts swearing because yeah. he can't get the arm back down again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm watching it right now, and it's just, it's, he's just, it's stuck there. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to put one of those things down. Um, and they they roll off, and and ironically, Wolf is now kind of a hero in the village because now he is he's defeated the the monster uh, for them. So so now now the village of Frankenstein is free to, uh, you know, live in peace, grow vegetables again for the first time in however long, and change its name to Viseria, right? Yes. Exactly, and, and oh, oh, and they're also free to uh, to have the uh, the festival of the wine finally, <laughs> yeah. because they haven't been able to do that for so long. So, so the next time we see it again is is in um, Frankenstein versus Wolfman, right? Or no, we see it in Ghost of Frankenstein. I'm sorry, is it well, still is it still the town of Frankenstein? In because Ghost takes place somewhere else, right? Yeah. So I haven't in, seen Ghost in so long. I can't in wait. Ghost of Frankenstein. Um, Igor says when the monster is they blow up the castle. Um, because yeah. it, it's, I think it is still the town of Frankenstein. And then they go to the town of Viseria, which is where the right. second son, the lost son, <laughs> which is, uh, right. Universal's just, um, <clears throat> way of patching up the fact that they couldn't use Basil Rathbone again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the second son and then, and then the granddaughter basically, right. Cause, cause uh, yes. what's her name plays the granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Frankenstein family tree is definitely a little complicated. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe Henry went off and had a second family has always been my kind of thought. Um, I don't know. There's, 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 there's the, 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 and we didn't mention it in this episode. I think we mentioned it in one of the other Frankenstein episodes there, there's the, the idea of Aunt Fanny, because when they see the the boar statue, <laughs> yes, and, it, and and he's like, you, the, "What's that?" And they're like, "It's a boar." He's like, "Oh, like Aunt Fanny." Yeah. <laughs> Which he's heard he's heard his parents talking about how boring Aunt Fanny is. We don't know if Aunt Fanny is actually a Frankenstein or related to Elsa's side of the family. Um, I mean, you know, so there's there's a possibility that Henry possible. had a sister. Yeah, yeah, um, or no, there's a there's a possibility that that Wolf has uh, has another sister because so there's Wolf, there's Ludwig. what's the character in um, there's Ludwig in Ghost of Frankenstein. There's Elsa in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and we're not. It's not Elsa, his wife, because it. Well, I mean, I mean, maybe it's Elsa, no, his wife, but maybe it's a different in, character. In, in Frankenstein meets Wolfman, Elsa would have been Ludwig's daughter, who was in Ghost of Frankenstein. That's Ludwig's daughter, right? 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 Okay, so that's where the line. So, so, so Wolf's. What I'm trying to find finally get to is so Wolf's line kind of goes out of the. Frankenstein mythology in Universal at this point. Wolf doesn't no. Wolf has probably goes back to England. Has nothing to do with monsters. Um, Peter does not grow up and and take on his, his dad's uh, legacy. Peter probably grows up becomes joins the military or something because he seems pretty into or maybe becomes a big game hunter. So that's he's, actually he's pretty what, intent on that stuff. That's actually what Donnie Dun, uh, Dunnigan does. You know he oh yeah he uh he, I think he voiced Bambi um, and did a few other acting things, but then um, oh yeah. He ended up, um, I think he's like a doctor of mathematics. He, he's incredibly smart. And then he's a wow. uh, several-time recipient of the Purple Heart from some tours in Vietnam. Um, 
<clears throat> and actually he, I, th I think he, he never really let on or, it, or told anyone about his acting background. I think it's why that's um, interesting. he was a, a quote unquote hard person to track down or to find or to get interviews for because he never was outward in, in saying kind of yeah, his yeah. background or what he did, but. Um, that on the QT. Hello. Yeah. Exactly. Goodbye. <laughs> he, anyway, he says that he goes. It's going to be hard. It's hard in the uh, in the military trying to uh, train and do stuff if you're Bambi. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You maintaining that discipline on your men and stuff. Yeah, that's really funny. So, cool, man. Hey, well, um, this was an epic one. Thank you, everybody, for for sticking it out with us. Um, obviously, you can hear from the discussion. The Livy and I are both gigantic fans of of. Well, we're fans of all these movies, but especially this particular movie has, has loomed large. And I've been, you know, after doing the show for a year and a half now, I've, I've been really anticipating getting a chance to, to to really get down and really take a deep dive and talk about this film. And Livio, yeah. I'm just, I'm so glad we got to do this together because, you know, your your enjoyment of the thing is is equal to mine, I'm sure, at least. And 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 it's it's fun to just, there's so much in this particular movie to like pull apart and really like think about Um and it just gets more interesting the more next time I watch it, I'm going to be thinking about the, some of the things you said and some of the things we sort of like kind of collectively uncovered as we were talking about it. And, uh, and I think it's going to be really fun. So thanks. Yeah, so I'll have to, I'll have to go back and, and do the same thing. This was, this was definitely a very, very important film and it, and set in motion, you know, all the kind of the second cycle, all, all the, the 1940s cycle of, of universal yeah. horror. Yeah. So it's, very, very important. So yeah, it was, it was great. It's, it's I really appreciate man, yeah. it. Cool, man. All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening to the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. We will be seeing you next time on the next episode. Have a good night. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode, but the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of Shadow Camera Film and Entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Gould. Opening and closing narration are by me, Kat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast. Thank you.